0: Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing? Come on. Like I said earlier, like if you get extra credit in heaven, you get extra credit today because you came to church on Super Bowl Sunday. And so, and it was even rainy, so that's even you get double extra credit. Uh, as uh, they said, my name's Pastor Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, If you, uh, Steve mentioned the app, if you're looking for the notes for the sermon, you can go right in there and right under resources, you'll see uh, the information that you need. Last week, we started a series called Unfiltered Jesus, and if you were here last week, and even if you weren't, basically what we said is that a lot of us, according to our upbringing, whether you were kind of brought up in church or maybe you, you weren't brought up in church, probably every single one of us. Has a filter that we kind of see Jesus through, and so you you may see Jesus through like the legalistic Jesus filter because that's the house you grew up in. Uh, you might see Jesus through the activist Jesus filter, but all of us probably see Jesus through a certain filter based on kind of what we were taught as a kid, and it might be an accurate it might be an accurate picture, but for most of us. The the picture that we see of Jesus, the filter that we put on him, doesn't always match up with who Jesus really was. And so we began a series last week called Unfiltered Jesus to try to begin to maybe tear away some of those filters to see who Jesus really is. But as you think about who Jesus really is and and kind of that, that idea, one of the things I was thinking about this week was, you know what? If I'm going to look at the unfiltered version of Jesus, what does the unfiltered version of me look like? I don't know about you, but we, I am, and you probably are too, especially in our country and in our context, we are really, really good at hiding who we really are. My daughter Kate, and maybe if you have a little kid, you, you can understand this, she looks forward to Halloween all year long. And in fact, she will start talking about her costume all year long, and I mean, she'll, she'll know like months and months in advance what she's going to wear that night, and she's so excited about it. And, and if you have little kids, you understand that, and it is. It's cute to watch our kids dress up and, and kind of put on their costume and put on their mask for that night and, and have a great time, but for some of us, we, we kind of play Halloween every day of the year. And we have certain masks that we wear. I brought a mask up here with me. Uh, if you're here next week, we're going to have some characters that your kids can take pictures with. And uh, this one, I'm, I'm hoping to dress up myself in this one, the Lego Batman character. And, and so, but, but yeah, this is an example of a mask. And, and, and it's kind of a fun mask, and, and we'll have fun with it next week. But for, for, for most of us, we have three or four masks that we have up on our shelves that we put on and, and we, when we're going to go to certain places and be part of certain crowds, we have kind of our preferred mask for that crowd. And and not a lot of people really know who we really are. We, we kind of hold back and sometimes having a filter is really good, but, but we kind of hold back what we really want to say. Uh, we kind of hold back our reaction. And so we manage our kind of look even on social media. So nobody really knows who the unfiltered version of us is. And sometimes the worst place for this is in church. Like church people have this down pat. it's why some of you, maybe you walked away from the church because you, you, man, you don't like hate church people. You just think they're all fake because they have the same problems everybody else does. But if you grew up in church like I did, you get really good at hiding those problems. And so maybe you walked away from the church because of that. You, you went to church and felt like, man, I don't fit in here because it seems like everybody has everything together. No, they're just really good at hiding it. They have all the same issues. And so what we've done is we've created this filter that takes a little bit of religion and a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of kind of our upbringing, and we, we put this together and kind of walk through life with this system in our lives, and, and Jesus's brother James, he, he said this about religion. He said, "Religion's not all bad." He said, actually, in James chapter one, verse twenty-seven, that that pure religion. And undefi- is undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So pure religion, what it was supposed to be with the right motives, is not an all, all a bad thing. But we have taken religion and we've jacked it all up. And we've taken it and made it something that's much different than pure, undefiled religion. And so we manage our looks, we manage our reactions, we manage our expectations based on this religious system that we're expected to kind of live by. And and for some of you, as you think about the word religion and we think about kind of religion in our context, here's what I mean. When when I talk about religion and kind of the jacked up version of religion, I, I mean this. Religion that says this, when I obey the rules, Jesus accepts me. When I disobey the rules, Jesus distances himself from me. And maybe you grew up, and when you think of religion, this is what you think about. It's like, man, if I keep all the rules, then I keep God happy. But if I break a few of those rules, especially a couple of those big ones... Then, then he's going to reject me, and he's not going to accept me. And so we have gotten really good from 10 o'clock to about 12 o'clock on Sunday mornings of kind of hiding. And and, and here's what we know. Here's what we know, whether you're somebody that grew up in church or whether you're uh, somebody that's kind of investigating faith We know this inside that when we go into a church and somebody asks us how we're doing, they really don't want to know how we're doing. And and for some of you, you maybe walked away from church because you went through a nasty divorce, you had questions about sexual orientation, You, you had been hurt deeply, and you walked into a church and somebody asked you how you were doing and you knew they really didn't want to know. But before we get to on those people, the thing is, if they really did want to know, we probably wouldn't have told them because we're trying to to wear a mask to kind of be accepted. And that's just the game that we've played in our society to kind of manage Jesus and manage religion and take a little bit of both and put it together to create a system. And, And it's this system that causes us to hide. We hide behind the rules for acceptance, or we hide because we've broken the rules and are unacceptable, and the whole thing is built on fear and control. And when you think of why Jesus came, Jesus came to die, but he also came to kill some stuff. And one of the things he came to kill was he came to kill this impure, kind of messed up, jacked up version of religion that we so 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 without even trying allow into our lives, he, he came to kill fear, which drives out control, which is really the death nail in religion. He said things like this. He said, "Fear not." He said, "There's no fear in love." He said, "Perfect love cast out fear." He said, "My burden is light." He said, "I want you to live abundant." and free. But for most of us, we don't even know what that feels like. What would it feel like to walk through life living abundantly and free from fear, free from whatever's holding you back. We don't even know what that feels like. See, I got I have this bag up here that, that kind of represents religion kind of represents maybe your picture of religion. And for some of you, when when you think about religion, your your bag is kind of filled with your past. It's filled with that mistake you made on that one spring break, that business trip that you went on and made that bad decision that nobody else knows about. It's filled with some hurt, maybe some hurt caused by people that called themselves Christians. And so... You do your very best to, to, to hide this. you do your very best to mask what this does to you, but for you, this thing of religion is a constant burden that you're carrying around. It's why you don't find yourself in church very much because of it. when you carry this burden around, you, you just don't know how people are going to take you. And so for you, religion to you is a great burden. This whole thing that connected to Jesus is nothing but hard and judgmental. But there's a few others of us in here that you have a religious bag too. And you don't even realize what a burden it is to you because in your bag it's filled with all the money you gave to church. It's filled with your perfect attendance in Sunday school when you were a little kid. It's filled with all the great things that you've done on the outward to make everybody think that you have it together. And so it's honestly filled with a lot of pride because you're so thankful that God has you on his team. And for you, you don't even realize it, but religion to you is just as much of a burden as the first person. But it's a different burden. And Jesus came to take your religion whether it's a religion that's built on pride and judgmentalness because of how much you think you've done for God, or whether it's a religion that's based on shame because of how you think you've let God down, and he's come to do away with that. He's come to do away with this type of system. It's actually what made him the most angry when he was here on earth. He was so angry he would get so angry when, when rules and, and, and control replaced compassion. It, it bothered him when sacrifices replaced sincerity. It bothered him when people became fearful and people of faith. When performance replaced people, it bothered him. And in fact, when you see Jesus angry in the Bible, you see him angry at this system. And so Jesus, when he came on the scene, the the religious people of the day, they kind of had a kind of a way they did things And, and they did not like Jesus because here's the way they did things. They did things so that everything on the outside looked good. And they were able to manage that well, and they were able to keep you happy and make people think they had it together. But then Jesus came around, and he started poking past the outward appearance, and he started poking at the heart. And he started saying crazy things like this, hey guys, lust is adultery, not just adultery. Because these guys were like, well, I can't keep everything clean on the outside. But Jesus said, you know what? That lust that's in your heart is just the same as adultery. Like, oh, man, what? really? That, and, and then he said stuff like this. Your hateful anger, it's just like murder. So you've never murdered anybody? That's a good thing. But that hateful anger you have in your heart is just the same. He said, this game that you're playing, this religious game that you're playing to kind of keep God happy, it's bogus. And he said, let me actually take it up another notch for you. And he said this in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you're trying to kind of do this thing to impress God? Well, let me tell you what it takes to impress God. You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. See, he said, you know what? You're trying to kind of manage this outward appearance thing and kind of keep everything together. If you really want to be 100% good with God, you actually have to be perfect the way he is. And honestly, they had to sit and think about it like, you know what, I think I might be able to do that. Most of us would be like, well, I'm out. But they were like, no, I may be able to pull that off. And then, then, then Jesus goes on, and and, and I like what uh, in 2 Corinthians, this is the message version Uh, Chapter 5, verse 21, it says this, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. As Jesus is just kind of talking with these guys, he wants them to know, man, you have to be perfect if you want to keep God happy, and you obviously aren't, hence why I'm here. I came here to take the bad that you've done and give you the good that I've done, and I've actually come to pay for your bad. But they didn't get it. In fact, they hated him for saying it. And so Jesus kind of confronts it in the book of Mark, chapter 2. He, he kind of confronts this idea with these religious guys. And in Mark chapter 2, verse 23, if you have your, your Bible or, or you have your be up on the screen, it says this, one Sabbath, and a, and a Sabbath was a special day that people in Israel set aside for rest, which is a good thing. God gave it to them and said, hey, I want you to set aside one day a week for rest. I don't want you to work. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to rest and worship me. And it says, one Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. So he's with a bunch of guys. What do guys like to do? We like to eat. We get hungry often. So he's walking with his guys, and maybe it's been a few weeks since Jesus turned water into wine or, you know, five bread into 5,000, and so the boys are getting hungry, and so they, they see, they're walking through a field, and it was illegal to, you know, just take a little bit of the grain and kind of munch on it. So that's what they did. Well, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they saw this, and this threw them for a loop. Here's what it says. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Why are they harvesting grain on the Sabbath? You're not supposed to work. Jesus is like, man, my boys are just getting something to eat. They're not like getting the tractor out to harvest everything. They're just picking some a little bit, and that was okay to do on the Sabbath. But these religious leaders had taken the Sabbath rule and had added a bunch of other rules, and so they're like, what are you doing? And, And have you ever noticed... That legalistic people, and maybe you're one of them, I used to be, make some crazy rules up. Man, I remember as a kid, some of my friends, man, not allowed to watch the Smurfs. And you're like, well, I don't let my kids watch the Smurfs. Well, you're probably better than me. But but it wasn't around because there was some, like the cat had a name that might have been satanic or something like that. So, up, oh, Smurfs are banned. Or, or, you know what, the big one when I was growing up, you're not allowed to go to the movies. And I would sit down and like, okay, just tell me. I, I want to like please Jesus with my life. So just give me the reason. And there was always no reasons. But the movies was evil. And so don't go to the, man, I'm just going to watch a cartoon with, like what? Nope, nope. You, I don't even, I can't even explain the argument. But it was one of those dumb rules that, man, was legalistic people just start to add things to it and just make up rules. And that's, that's what these Pharisees had done. And maybe you're there, like, man, I probably got some dumb rules for my kids too. If you ask my kids, they probably tell you I have some dumb rules, but we're not perfect yet, so that's okay. But 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 that's what happens. And and here's what what Jesus is trying to point out that you know what? There's some things that rules can never do for you. Rules aren't all bad. So don't think like, wow, I'm, I'm liking this. This is good because the mic will drop a little later. But there, there's more to it. But but Jesus said, there's some things that rules just can't do. One of the things he said was, you know, rules have no real power. See, they can keep you from doing stuff you want, but they can't change what you want. Like, they can keep you from doing stuff, but they can't change your heart. So there's not really a lot of power in, in rules. Another thing is that rules rules don't usually lead to love. They usually focus on something, not someone And we kind of distance ourselves from people with rules sometimes. Rules put the focus on us. It's more, how am I doing? Am I checking the list the right way? Is it all working out for me? And so Jesus, as these Pharisees are kind of poking at him and his disciples because, man, they picked some heads of grain uh, on the Sabbath, Jesus continues to talk with them, and he says this. He says, and he said to them, Have you never heard what David, your hero, like David was their hero? He was like their their Batman. You know David, that, that guy? He was the guy that killed Goliath, that guy? Have you ever not heard what he did? See, when he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, they entered the house of God in the time of Abathar, the high priest, and they ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat and also gave it to those who were with him and then he says and he said to them the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath so the son of man is lord even of the sabbath he says guys you're getting so upset at us but let's look at let's look back at one of your heroes do you remember, and they would have remembered this, how your, your hero David, when he and his men were hungry, went into the, the, the area that the priests were allowed in and ate some bread that only that the priest was only supposed to eat, and that was okay because they had need. And Jesus presses them here and he says, you know what? You have taken a gift from God, the Sabbath, and you have made it a God itself. He said, you shouldn't do that. In fact, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I've come to fulfill all of those things. So you're talking to the wrong guy about keeping the Sabbath. But these Pharisees, they could not see past the rules that Jesus' disciples were breaking. And then right after this, in Mark chapter 3, verse 1, Jesus like... He 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 gets them a little upset right here, but he, what he's about to do is going to push them over the edge, because they they grabbed some heads of grain out out in the, the the fields and they did that on the Sabbath. But now Jesus enters the temple and is about to blow them up even more by what he's about to do in the house of God. It says this in in Mark chapter three verse one. It says and he entered the synagogue. This is like the place, the principal's office. You're never like if you're going to break a rule, you're going to do something against the the law, you're not going to do it here. Like the one place you're not going to do it. And it says, "And he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand." And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. Like are you up? You're, no, you are not about to do that, Jesus. Not in the synagogue. Dude over in the corner, withered hand, all messed up, and, and Jesus sees him, and, and, and they're like, and I, I already see the end of this story, how this is gonna end. This is not gonna go well. And so here's what happens they did this so they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. See, this man with the withered hand, In their system what this man probably believed is that because of his sin or because of some sin that his parents had done it's the reason he had a withered hand and so he is probably off in the corner kind of in the dark kind of ashamed and now Jesus steps in nobody usually notices him because they look at him and kind of look down on him because what did you do to cause the withered hand if something your mom or dad did you stay in the corner and Jesus does something that's unheard of and he says hey come out of the dark hey buddy, come here, come here. And then, then here's what happens. As, as this guy is coming out of the dark, as he's coming out of a place of shame and, man, what are every, what's everybody going to think about me? He looks at the Savior of the world and he sees something different in his eyes that he hasn't seen in the religious elite of his day. He sees compassion. He sees love. He sees grace. He sees acceptance. And so as he comes out of the dark, and I don't know about you, but can you relate with him? Because the thing that we like to do when we're ashamed, when there's something that we were involved in that, man, we don't, we we think people look is man, we're trying to hide. We are not trying to come out into the light. We're either trying to hide behind the rules for his acceptance or we're hiding because we broke the rules. And Jesus is saying, you don't get healed in the dark. you got to come out into the light. You have to come out into grace. You have to come out to mercy. It's about to be different. And so he, this man comes out. And, and he comes out with this withered hand. And Jesus looks at him and he says, hey man, come here, stand up. The day of distancing yourself from a system is over. See, Jesus says, I want to bring you out into the open. I I don't want your hand to stay shriveled. I want to heal you. You need to quit pretending and come out into the light. See, the question that that maybe you're thinking is, you know what, Am am I that way? Like, how religious are you? One of the questions you can ask yourself that will really help you understand is this. What do you feel like you have to hide? Like, what are you in the corner with hoping nobody finds out? Because you think if they find out, you're going to be the gossip of the town, and unfortunately, you might be. What would people feel like they have to hide from you? Maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you're the person that has it all together and all the people closest to you are hiding from you and you don't even know it. And here's what Jesus says to this man in the midst of this religious system in this building that was built as a representation of this system. Jesus says, bring what you're ashamed of. Bring it out into the light because grace and mercy is here because I'm here. And so he, this man comes out into the light, and now, man, the, the Pharisees, man, they got like the binoculars on. They're watching this thing close. What is Jesus about to do? And it says this in verse 4, and he said to them, he's looking at these Pharisees. He knows they're all watching him. He says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? but they were silent. Shocker. See, Jesus was really good at asking heart-penetrating questions that you would not want to answer because it would show that you didn't have it all together. And so these guys were silent. And and one of the things I wrote in my notes is this, Jesus gets angry when your rules to obey God neglect the people God loves. And that's exactly what these guys were doing their rules to obey god had trumped the people that god had put in front of them to love and he looked around at them with anger grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man stretch out your hand no more hiding he the man stretched out his hand stretch it out and the and the hand was restored The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians, kind of the other religious group. They held counsel against him, how they could destroy him. See, they they had enough. And so their, their only answer was we've got to get rid of this guy because this guy is messing up our whole system. He's messing up our whole way of making money. He's messing up our whole way of having control by making people here and putting them into hiding. He's, He's doing all that, and we've got to get rid of him. And eventually, they were successful. But what they didn't realize was when they killed Jesus, their religion died with him. See, here's what their system was. It'll be up on the screen. Effort equals acceptance, which leads to pride and a judgmental heart. That was their system. And when they killed Jesus, that system died with him. Because he paid the bill for all the effort that I couldn't have. All the effort that I come short on. He paid the bill. I don't have to do things to get his acceptance. I am accepted. That's why I do things. I do it from a place of acceptance, not for acceptance. And so Jesus killed this. And he changed it to this. Grace equals acceptance which leads to humility and a thankful heart so no longer do i do things because i have to because i earn things i do things from a place of thankfulness and gratefulness because of the grace and acceptance i've been shown by the savior of the world and that's what jesus did when jesus went to the cross Religion went to the cross with him and got nailed to the cross, and he took care of it. Religion, this system that we have taken and kind of jacked up, is gone because of Jesus. And so some of us need to kill it in our lives. Some of you are nervous right now, and I get it because this whole thing is built on fear and control it's very ambiguous and so when we get rid of it it removes the fear and control that we've kind of lived in and so it makes us nervous and so maybe we push back a little bit and we're like hey Chris don't you remember what it said in Matthew 28 where Jesus he said teach them to obey everything I commanded you Chris don't I mean you got to obey the commands I couldn't agree more but probably not the commands that you're thinking of. See, the commands you're thinking of are pretty easy to to obey. But the command Jesus laid out that's much harder, love God, love people. I agree you should obey the commands, but the commands you should obey from a place of acceptance and thankfulness is love God, love people love God, love people. And Jesus says, you know what? Just in case you don't know what that looks like, just follow my example. And what you'll find is rules don't demand much. Love demands much more. And Jesus says, that's what this whole thing's going to be about That's what, if you're a follower of me, if you really see me through an unfiltered version, you really see what I'm about, I'm about loving people. And he says to us, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if we can get a handle on those two things, we won't have to have conversations with our kids about how they should treat their date. If they get a handle on love God and love people, it won't ever be an issue. We won't have to have conversations when we go start a new job or when our our neighbor is being a jerk. We won't have to make up certain rules because if we obey the love God and love people, it'll take care of itself. And that's what Jesus said. And so what is the religion that you're hiding behind that needs to die right now? For some of you, it's shame, it's guilt, and what you need to do is you need to stand up, you need to to get out in the open, you need to understand that grace and mercy is here because of Jesus, and you need to let that die. For some of you, you're fighting an addiction with weapons of do and try and work harder, and it's not working, and you need to step out and stretch out your hand because grace is here. For some of us, we're teaching our kids a fear-based, performance-driven relationship with God, and they're not buying it. And we need to step out and understand that grace and mercy is here and change what we're teaching the next generation. See, what would it be like if you could walk through life confident that you are fully known and fully loved what would that even look like in your life i can tell you what it wouldn't look like it wouldn't look like you carrying this thing around all day if you could walk through life if i could walk through life knowing that you know what i am 100 percent fully known by the creator of the universe the good the bad and the ugly of chris fincham's life his past mistakes all of it he knows and he loves me fully what, what would that look like? What, how, would that, how would I treat other people if I really got a handle on this idea of being fully known and fully loved? See, this won't happen in hiding. That's why in a few weeks we're going to begin to talk about community groups. And, and we're going to encourage everyone, man, be a part of a group. Don't just come on Sunday because it is really easy to hide in a row. We do it. We've done it, but we need a group. We need a group of people that love us, that know us, that can encourage us, that we can encourage, and so we want to be a part of things like that. So for you, as we we begin to close, what needs to die? What needs to die in your life right now? What rules are you hiding behind, or what are you hiding behind because you've broken the rules? See, what's so ironic is that day when the Pharisees were so up in arms because of Jesus and his followers and, and what they were doing, they were the ones that needed Jesus more than the guy with the shriveled hand. But they could never get past what was going on and they were asking all the wrong questions and they were focusing on all the wrong things and they missed the answer all the way. And so the questions that we should be asking ourselves are not questions of what does the law require. It shouldn't be the question of what are they going to think. For a lot of us, that may be the questions that without even thinking about it, that's the questions we live by. Hey, what is required by the law? And I don't mean necessarily the the law of The government, I'm talking about, like, what do we think the law requires? So make sure I check all those boxes and stay off that list of things I'm not supposed to do. What does the law require? And then the second question that we ask ourselves all the time is this what are they going to think of me? And that's kind of how we manage our life. And the question I want to challenge you with this week as we close this up, as we begin to really look at who the unfiltered Jesus is, this is the question I want you to think about. What does love demand? Not what does the law require, not, not what are they going to think, but what does love demand? Because Jesus came here to disrupt our way of life to disrupt a system that, that was built on fear and control. And the question that, that he wanted us to really think about that is really what he, why he even came to earth was simply this. What does love demand? And if we can get a hold of that question, it might just be the thing that changes everything for us. It might be the thing that takes the burden of religion and puts it off. It might be the thing that actually allows people that you're close to to be real with you instead of being afraid of what you think of them. What does love demand? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we we begin to close. We ask a question at the very beginning, and and the question I want you to think about is the same question, and it's simply this, who is the real you? Like, like, who is the real you? What is the unfiltered version of you? And, and what are you hiding behind? What has religion done to you that has maybe, maybe had you hiding because of some things you've done in your past, or has you hiding behind the rules so proud and judgmental because you think you're earning your way closer to God? Like, who's the real you? And my my encouragement to you as we close today is simply this. Would you confess to God the mask of religion that you have been hiding behind? And just admit it. It's not like he doesn't know. Just admit, man, God, I have been managing a reputation built on hiding behind a system. Would you just confess that just between you and God? Maybe for some of us, we need to confess to other people. We need to come up next to our kids and say, hey, man, I've been doing this thing wrong. And some things are going to change because Jesus is going to change something in our family. Maybe for you, it's taking a practical step and and on your decision card, it's just checking that box. Hey, I'd like some more information about the city groups. So when they start, I'd, I'd like some more information about them. I'd like to know how I can be a part of one of those groups going forward. I don't know about you, but this is a message that and a question that I, I need to ask myself a lot. And it's simply, man, what does love demand? Jesus, I thank you for our time together. Lord, I thank you that you came to this earth to free us from fear, to free us from control to give us a life that is abundant and free, not because we've earned it or deserve it, but because you purchased it for us. And Lord, I pray for each person here. I pray, Lord, that we would leave more free than when we walked in, knowing that we can take our mask off and we can come out into the light with our ugliness, with our past, with our judgmental attitude, and you offer grace and mercy that can change us. In Jesus' name, amen.